Got a Bible? Turn it to pay, uh, turn it to uh, Matthew chapter five, if you will. Matthew chapter five, and I'm just trying to contain myself this morning. Just uh, how the Lord, I believe, has orchestrated events and and the opportunity and such. And uh, this is a super cool story I got to tell. So uh, I ordered these uh, unit coins that have Matthew chapter five, uh, verse number nine on them, and uh, there it's an appropriate verse. Um, at this time, uh, let's go ahead. We're going to dismiss our junior church age uh, young people downstairs. We've got an age-appropriate uh, class uh, for them, our junior church age. Baji, you're welcome to go to that. It's going to be more fun than Uncle Sam preaching, guarantee you. I don't give out quiet seat prizes in here or behavior prizes in here. Uh, but I just got to tell the story about this coin here. So I ordered these probably two months ago when I knew that we were going to have an officer appreciation uh, day. And then I had started preaching through the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, oh, maybe, maybe a month or so ago. And it just so happens now we did take a break in preaching the Beatitudes last week because there was something that I, I uh, felt the Lord would have me to address, but it just so happens that we would be, if we hadn't skipped last week, we're still right on schedule to where we would be preaching uh, this particular beatitude that's on these coins here uh, today. And so just a super cool thing. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in God's sovereignty and, and uh, leading and such. But anyway, um, let's get into it here. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1 here in just a moment. But uh, let me preface somewhat. Uh, the title of the uh, the series that we've been going through is um, The Life That God Blesses. God wants to bless um, people. Uh, God wants to bless, first and foremost, he wants to give us eternal life. And he gives us that option of whether or not we will receive that gift of eternal life. And eternal life is provided through his son, Jesus. Uh, Jesus came to this earth and uh, he was the spotless lamb of God uh, that came to die and shed his blood uh, to wash our sins away. Now, in order to be one of God's children, in order to become a child of God, we need to receive that gift of eternal life. We need to receive Jesus uh, to our accounts personally. A religion can't do that for us. Uh, parents can't do that for us. I wish that was the case. I would do it for my children. I would, I would tell them, uh, they need, uh, I do tell them they need to get saved, uh, but I would make them get saved. I would force it upon them. But God in his love, he allows us to make that decision to choose to receive him. And so in our lives, there is cause and effect. There is karma or what the Bible calls uh, the law of sowing and reaping. And in these beatitudes that we've been studying or what we've also learned are heavenly attitudes, uh, that we ought to have as Christians, we see some of the effects or the blessings that God says that we can have if we exhibit certain actions. If we want to get these blessings, these are this is how we should behave. These are the heavenly attitudes that we should have. Now, I'm going to focus on the one in particular. Of course, you know what that is in, in verse number 9. And actually, for sake of reading, uh, for sake of time, we're just going to read uh, verse number 9. But uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, we see these heavenly attitudes. 
And uh, this morning, we're going to jump ahead in one of these actions appropriately. And we're going to see that one of these aspects of a blessing that God gives us is in a life that God blesses, God blesses peacemakers. God blesses peacemakers. And I, I think when I, uh, when I think of what is an officer, that is, that is what an officer is uh, or supposed to be peacemaker, and I think our, our officers are, are those. Um, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 9, uh, the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I want to pray, and we'll get right into the uh, message here this morning. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your provision, your goodness. Thank you for the day of events, God. Thank you for the weather and, and allowing folks to, to get here and, and melting the ice somewhat, God. I was worried that that was going to be a, a stay away for people, God. But thank you for those that are here and showing their uh, the honor to whom honor is due here this morning. And uh, God, we especially look to you, though. Honor is due. All honor and all glory is due to you. I pray that you'd meet with us, God. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts from your word. Have your will and way, and uh, may we lift you up here this morning. May you draw all men unto you. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. General Douglas MacArthur once said, Peace isn't just a truce. A truce, a truce just says, uh, you don't shoot for a while, but peace comes when truth is known, the issue is settled, and the parties embrace each other. I want to start off by saying peacemakers don't just try to stop conflict. They're, they're doing something far more meaningful. They're doing something uh, far more healing and restorative. Uh, they try to bring about reconciliation in relationships, even if it means going through the conflict themselves. And I'm sure we could go around the room here this morning with our officers and and uh, in the calls that they receive. And, and what did you get called for? Well, because there was... Uh, disruption of the peace and uh, as they went there to try to try to be peacemakers uh, they found themselves uh, you know getting involved in the situation uh, further than what they had expected or had hoped to um, and uh, they are some they are well uh, they're willing to do that for the most part peace is not the absence of trouble but the presence of God through a trial and did you know that the cross was the greatest act of violence and conflict possible. And in fact, much of Jesus' ministry involved conflict and confrontation. It wasn't a peaceful thing having to go to a cross. It wasn't a peaceful thing doing good uh, for people while the religious crowd uh, accused him of doing wrong, doing falsely. A peacemaker's goal isn't necessarily to try and stop the conflict, but they work for reconciliation. It's, a, it's an important thing to understand that the Bible is a book about peace, and there are over 400 mentions of the word peace in the Word of God. Because the Bible is God's holy word, it also records many wars as well. A war is the conflict for peace, and each war that you find is directly attributed to the sin nature, disobedience, and selfishness of man. In the brief time that we have this morning, I've already skipped a lot here, and I hope that, it, that it's making sense, but 
uh, this morning, we'll see that even in times of war or trials, it is possible to be a peacemaker. It is possible to have God's peace in our lives. And I want, us, I want to get right into it here this morning. I want you to notice with me, number one, I want you to notice the person of peace. The person of peace. And uh, no one can experience personal peace apart from God. He is the peace giver. God Almighty is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the ultimate peace giver. Uh, we've all seen the, the uh, bumper stickers before. No God, N-O-G-O-D, no God, no peace, N-O, peace. And then we've seen him to where uh, they reply, uh, no God, K-N-O-W, no peace, K-N-O-W. And there's a profound truth to that bumper sticker. There's a profound truth to that phrase. If you don't know God, you're not going to know ultimate, true, and lasting peace in your life. Only if you truly know God can you have that true eternal peace. Number one, uh, the, the, the person of peace is God. Uh, the prince of peace is Jesus. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. There was a prophecy that there was going to be this prince of peace to come. In uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says this, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. It's talking about mankind. It's talking about Satan. There to be enmity, and Satan wants us to spend eternity in hell. God wants us to spend eternity in heaven. And uh, then in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the what? Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one that brings peace to mankind. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. If men of the first century uh, 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 would, would have received him, peace would have reigned throughout the world. But that's not what happened. The Bible says he was despised and rejected. Yes, there were some that believed on him. There were some that called upon him. There were some that believed he was the Savior, that believed he was the Messiah. But for the most part, he was despised and rejected, the Bible says. He went to the cross and he shed his blood to make peace, to allow peace, uh, the opportunity for peace in our hearts. Uh, Jesus is God's peacemaker. There is no personal or world peace without Jesus Christ. There's no real lasting true peace outside of personally knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And I want to say in a side note here, Jesus offers three levels of peace this morning. I want us to understand. Number one, when we receive Jesus Christ, we can be at peace finally with God the Father. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is peace knowing that you're on your way to heaven, that you've been forgiven of your sin, and that your sin debt is settled once you receive Jesus as your personal 
Lord and Savior. That's how you can have peace with God the Father. Number two, uh, Jesus gives, uh, 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 there is peace with God. There is peace with God. What do you mean by that, Pastor Sam? Well, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The application of, of uh, having peace with God, uh, not just being at peace with God, is this. I know that I'm saved. I know that at my sin debt is at peace with God. He's forgiving me. He's forgiven me. God the Father has, has seen that I received the blood of Christ to my sinful account. And now that God sees me, he, he, he looks at me uh, and he sees me justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And, uh, but now as I go through this life here on earth, there are still troubles that I have. There are still situations that I have to deal with on a daily basis because as the officers can testify, this world is full of sin. That's why we have them to begin with. Uh, they are peacemakers. They are the justice, not justice of the peace. They are, uh, they're here to protect and to serve. Why do they, why do we need uh, serving and protecting? Because the world has got sin in it. Uh, but once I get saved, when I've received Christ as my Savior, as I go through this life, uh, sometimes doing the right thing isn't always easy. I'm tempted to want to cheat. I'm tempted to want to sidestep and, and work things out. I'm tempted to not want to have faith in God and what God tells me to do. Uh, but as I'm obedient to the Word of God, and as I'm obedient uh, to what I know uh, the Lord wants me to do, God gives me peace in my heart to do the right thing. And so that I can be at peace with him through whatever it is that the world throws at me, whatever it is that Satan and his cohorts decides to, to tempt me with in this life, I can have peace, uh, the peace of God. I can have peace with God. And then number three, there is peace uh, that we'll have someday here on earth. The Bible says in Psalm 72, verse 7, In his days shall the righteous flourish, and an abundance of peace long as the moon endureth. And we're talking about the, the millennial reign uh, for that matter, though. We're talking the next time that there's going to be true perfect peace on earth is going to be after Jesus comes back down and uh, he, he sets up the millennial reign. And those of us that are saved, uh, we will have mounted up on the white horse brigade. We'll come back down uh, from heaven after we've already ascended. Uh, we'll be down here on this earth for a thousand years, the Bible says, uh, to rule and reign with him uh, before uh, all eternity after that. In 1922, there was an agreement between Britain, France, and the United States as they agreed to limit naval armaments. In 1928, Germany joined them in Paris to sign a pact that would outlaw war. Sounds cool, right? Well, that was in uh, 1928. In 1939, 11 years later, Germany started its conquest that would begin World War II. I read that since World War II, historians say that there have been well over 100 wars. There's not going to be true peace on earth until uh, the Messiah comes back, until, until uh, the return of Christ, until we come back uh, with him uh, during that millennial reign, but those are three types of peace that we can have through the Prince of Peace, 
through the God of peace. Secondly, I want you to notice with me in this passage, I want you to notice with me the process of peacemaking. The process of peacemaking. How can you have peace? How can you make peace? Number one, you've got to know the Prince of Peace. You can't have the true peace lest the Prince of Peace is received. James chapter 3, verse 17 says this, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness sown in peace of them that make peace. We've got to know the Prince of Peace. And uh, secondly, the process of peacemaking, we've got to resist the enemies of peace. We've got to resist the enemies of peace. The Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. I didn't put this on earth without, without, any, without any weapons for the warfare that we are facing. He's given us the sword of the Lord, the word of God. He tells us to suit up in the armor of God each day and that we may face the, the wiles of the devil. And uh, we've got to resist the enemies of peace. What are the enemies of peace? They are the lust of the flesh. Uh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Number one, the lust of the flesh. In James chapter 4, the Bible talks this. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill, and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You ask not and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. One of the enemies of peace is the lust of the flesh. One of the enemies of peace is the lust of the eyes. One of the enemies of peace is the pride of life. President Lincoln, when he was an attorney, he was approached by a man who wanted to sue another man for $2.50. Lincoln charged $10 for the man that was suing. And then he asked the defendant if he did in fact owe the money. The man said yes. Then Lincoln took a portion of that $10, and he gave it to pay the other man. That's a peacemaker. That's somebody that's wise. To be peacemakers, we need to be wise. We need to resist the enemies of peace. According to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says, Strife is a lust of the flesh, and we are to avoid strife. We are to avoid the sowers of discord, another one of the enemies of peace. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs chapter 6. What is the process of peacemaking? It is knowing the Prince of Peace. It is resisting the enemies of peace. And it is yielding to the spirit of peace. How do we do that? Well, the Bible says that when a person understands their sin, understands that We've all been born sinners. The Bible says, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, for that death passed upon all men, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
The Bible says everybody that is born into this world is born a sinner. And we don't deserve heaven. You say, not my, not my child. I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a father of four young boys. And, and I didn't teach them how to do the bad things that they do. They learned it from their mom. Uh, no, no. They didn't, they didn't need to be taught how to do wrong, but just on the contrary, right? They need to be taught how to do right. And uh, that's, that's what the Bible says. We have inherited a sin nature. And if you have children, you know that to be a fact, and there's no argument in that. Uh, but because of that sin, we need a, uh, we need a payment. Uh, we need somebody to take the, uh, the, 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 the payment of our sin from us. If we're to face the payment of our sin, we deserve death. We deserve death in hell is what the Bible says. Uh, to spend eternity in hell because of our sin. We deserve to die. Well, God doesn't want us to die. God doesn't uh, want us to spend eternity in hell. He didn't, according to the word of God, he didn't create hell for humans, for his, for his uh, creation. He created it for the devil and his fallen angels. Well, uh, in his sovereignty and in his love, he sent his son Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine sending one of my boys to die for somebody else. That's exactly what God the Father did when he sent his son Jesus. Jesus died for the sins of all mankind. And the blood was shed on that altar. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And when we acknowledge our sin, when we receive that gift, that free gift, there's nothing that I have to do to earn salvation. There, I don't, there isn't enough money that I can pay. There isn't enough good that I can do to earn or merit my way to get to heaven. I simply and importantly and desperately need to receive the payment of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I receive the payment that you made your blood to my sinful account. And I trust you as my personal Savior. I trust you to get me to heaven according to God's word. And the Bible says that when a person does that, then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, comes and takes up residence within us. He comes and lives in our hearts. The Spirit of God lives in our hearts. He abides in us until our physical bodies die and we finally will go to heaven. And what that means for us here on this earth, we get the opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. As we go through our daily journey and as uh, we desire to live for God and, and to have faith in Him, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He encourages us in righteousness and, uh, and we're to be yielded to the Spirit of peace. That is the Holy Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit of God is how we resist the enemies of peace. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the fruit of the right, uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. We see here this morning, we see the evidence of the peacemakers who live uh, within us, uh, that live within a born-again Christian ought to be evidenced in our daily lives and in our daily walk uh, with God. Uh, the, and uh, blessed are the peacemakers here this morning. We see, number one, uh, that uh, the ultimate person of peace is Jesus Christ. Number two, we see that the process, uh, we see the process of peacemaking. And then lastly, uh, this morning, I want us to notice here the product of peace. What is the product 
that we can have, that you can have, as one of God's children, uh, the, the product of peace, number one, I can have peace in my heart. The peace of God can reign in my heart. No matter, uh, no matter the, uh, uh, what, uh, what, what, what hell is bringing me here on earth, and I'll tell you, I'll be the first to admit, uh, living on earth can sometimes feel like hell on earth. People go through things. Just because somebody is a child of God, just because somebody gets saved, doesn't mean we're exempt from facing trials and troubles and situations. And sometimes, I think a lot of time though, we're often, uh, we're often the, the results of our choices. But sometimes there are things that happen that are legitimately bad that uh, we can't do anything about, and it wasn't because of a bad choice. But we can have peace in our hearts when we've received Christ as Savior. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus. Jesus gives peace. We can have peace in our hearts. We can have peace with others. If there's a war in my heart, if I'm at odds with somebody, chances are it's because uh, of, uh, that, uh, that I've done something wrong. Chances are it's pride. But we look for point of differences. If there is peace in my heart, I look for the point of agreement. Sometimes peace with others is hard to find, but it's not impossible with the person of peace. Holy Spirit of God is like oil. Uh, the Bible says that ho Holy Spirit is a type, a type of oil. And what is oil? Oil is a friction reducer. When you are a child of God and you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you, you have the opportunity to be a friction reducer. You can help the... Uh, uh, you, can, you can help reduce the friction of the strife and, and whatever it is the situation is. The Holy Spirit of God is that friction reducer. Somebody once said, peace is that luxury between our kids' bedtime and our bedtime. I don't know about that. Well, I do. I testify. That's some truth there. We see the product of peace, peace in my heart, peace with others. And then peace with enemies. And I'm finished right here in just, just a moment. Just a couple, five more uh, pages. <laughs> Actually, I've cut a lot out, but we are, we are in crunch time here. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Abraham Lincoln won the presidency of a divided country. And uh, there were four major candidates in 1860. And Lincoln only narrowly received the electoral majority. Among his harshest, uh, one of his harshest critics was a man named Edwin Stanton of Ohio who opposed Lincoln's election. He called him, among other things, he called him the original guerrilla. Yet Lincoln asked Stanton to serve as the Secretary of War, recognizing his organizational skills, his administration, uh, administrative skills and such, and, and uh, they were greatly needed for the war that was about to take place. When Lincoln was assassinated, Stanton said this about him. He says, there lies the most perfect ruler of men the world has ever seen. I read the testimony of Abraham Lincoln to be a saved man. He'd received Christ as Savior. He lived by this book. He 
you live by the Word of God. Now, we don't have to strike back at everyone who says or, or does something that we disagree with, and, and uh, I'll be the first to admit that's something that I need to keep in check. But it may be temporarily satisfying, but in the end it leads to bitterness, and often a cycle of revenge, retaliation. I got to get them. I got to get them back. They did this to me. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, that love doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And many people find themselves living stress-filled lives because they don't allow the love of God to do its work of peace in their hearts. The Bible says, to summarize, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I want to close just with this statement here. I want you to consider this. How do we have, how do we have peace? Uh, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. How do we have peace? We need to understand and recognize the person of peace. We need to understand the process of peacemaking, and then only after that can we have the product of peace. And then the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Consider this, children often reflect the attributes of their parents. God is the peacemaker. Do you reflect the attribute of God the Father? How about you? Are you a peacemaker? Not only that, are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with others? all about. Father, I thank you for the peacemaker. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for being the author of peace, the provider of that peace, God the Father, and thank you for your son and the sacrifice that he is for the sinners of this world. Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity to receive you as personal Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to just ask a few questions by way of invitation. You're here this morning, and, and uh, that statement is, is uh, causing you to think, perhaps, that uh, God is the author of peace. He's the peacemaker. Do you know God the Father? Have you personally received Christ as your Savior? Do you have the peacemaker in your heart, living and abiding in you right now? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to ask this question. Who here would say, Pastor Sam, I, I do know that I've received Christ as my personal Savior. I am at peace with God. There is a time when I've received Christ as my personal Savior. I have been saved. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you testify? Would you slip your hand up this morning and say, that's me, Pastor Sam. I have trusted Christ as my Savior. I have. You may, you may put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. This was a whole lot to chew on, a whole lot to think about. I saw many hands raised, but uh, not every hand was raised. I thank you for the honesty. I thank you for uh, your, your transparency. But I want to encourage you. I want to tell you this. You can't. The most important thing a person can know is where they're going to spend their eternity. The Bible says, God says, these things have I written on uh, uh, to you that you... These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God says we can know. We don't have to hope or guess or wonder about it. 
But we can be certain that heaven is our home. Maybe you're not certain about that, and, and if, you, if you could know, you would like to. Is there somebody here that say, Pastor Sam, if, if, I, if I could know, I could go to heaven, I'd like to know. Would you pray for me that I would know? Would you pray for me? Is there anybody here this morning? Would you slip your hand up if you'd like me to pray for you that you'd know that heaven is your home? Now you get that settled. Slip your hand up right now. There's somebody here this morning. You'd like to know your eternal destination. I want to encourage you, if uh, that's you, if you're not certain of your eternal destination, I want to encourage you in the privacy of your chair, I want to encourage you to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, to know that we're going to heaven. The Bible says we need to know just a few things. We need to understand our sin condition, as mentioned this morning. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. We are separated from going to heaven. But God loves us so much, he made a way of escape. He, made, uh, he sent his son to be the payment for our sins. His son died. Jesus died, shed his blood, washed our sins away. Now, you may know that to be factual. You may even believe that. But I want to ask you this. Is there a time when you've actually made the transfer, the transfer to receive the gift to your account personally. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called on the name of the Lord, if you've never received that free gift of eternal life, then you're not saved according to the word of God. You need to receive it. A gift does no good unless it's received. This morning we gave the officers a gift basket. In order for it to do them any good, they needed to personally receive those. If the gift basket is all made and prepared, but it's never received, they don't get to enjoy it. Eternal life needs to be received. Jesus needs to be received. And so I want to help you. If you've never called on the Lord, if you've never asked him to save you, I'm going to, I want to help you word a prayer to receive him. Would you say something to this effect? Now it's the process of calling on the Lord. Would you acknowledge to the Lord that you are a sinner? Say in the privacy of your chair, uh, say this prayer. Say, dear Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. Dear Lord, I believe that because of my sin, I don't deserve to go to heaven. Tell the Lord, say, dear Lord, I believe that you sent your son and you died on the cross and you shed your blood and you rose again three days later. Uh, you died and you rose again three days later from the grave to be my payment for my sin. And right now, Lord, the best way that I know how I personally receive you as my Savior. I ask you to take me to heaven uh, because of that uh, uh, when I die. I'll ask the Lord to help you to live for Him. Help you to be yielded to His Holy Spirit that has just come into your heart if you have prayed and called on the Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, could I just ask this question? Is there somebody here this morning and say, Pastor Sam, I, I prayed that prayer just now. I prayed that prayer and I asked the Lord to be my Savior. If you'd be willing to admit that, would you slip your hand up if you prayed that prayer? And we'd rejoice with you. Just slip your hand up right now. Slip